0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, this is Drinking With Authors, the literary briefs edition. So of course we've all changed into our underwear. That's not accurate, but I would like it to be. Okay, I'm your days we're going to do an underwear episode and i'm going to be fucking thrilled so i love that
1: i love that idea
2: pajama Uh, episode
0: not, (laughs) not fucking pajamas underwear
1: it's literary briefs scandalous pajamas
2: yeah, like Jen
0: is like, I'm gonna wear my pajamas. I'm like, you're not hosting with me. I'll get one of the ho hosts will fucking put on underwear.
1: Okay. Underoos. <laughs>
0: Under <laughs> that would be great. Under I fucking love underoos. Those are <laughs> accepted. I, I like that.
2: Okay. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is... JM Piquet.
0: And our guest is the alluring and enticing Leo Sparks. Oh adorable. So adorable. <laughs> so adorable. Well, thank you okay so literary okay well let's talk about what we're drinking while i still remember to do that okay i am finishing up my bottle of 19 crimes cali red snoop Dogg edition so 19 crimes is probably one of the best like go to the store buy the fucking wine it tastes amazing every time it's like ten dollars a bottle i fucking love it so jen (laughs) what incredibly boring non-alcoholic drink are you (laughs) doing for us today
2: i have a lime bubbly
0: and water
1: oh gotta have a chaser for that bubbly
0: too Too much alcohol it's really (laughs) fucking annoying on this show but i love her okay leo what are you drinking i am still drinking a gin and
1: oh disappears in the green screen this lime is just like overtaking everything Uh, i have a
0: lovely gin and tonic here with a lovely little lime i'm I'm, so sad that you're only on your first gin and tonic i don't care that it's 5 p.m there
1: hey hey i know it's that's the thing about the you know the 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 west side it's like everybody else on the the east coast is living three hours in the future and i'm like oh i just had breakfast (laughs) but sure gin let's go first of all i don't think you've got the spirit of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) okay i will get there i should have i should pour another one but you should, this, pour, more, you should this is this this part is all the gin i'm certain of that okay i well, don't think you got a good a drink swirl some
0: more of it so we can move on with the podcast
1: you got it you got it
0: no pressure mm-hmm. i am really good at being a bad influence
1: <laughs> that is yeah, a trade put on your resume because there are not enough people in this world that can do that
0: Oh yeah, now Jen will confirm that I am really (laughs) good at being a bad influence on people. Okay, so rapid fire questions. What is your favorite book of all time? (sighs) Invisible
1: Monsters by Chuck Palahniuk because even though it's a little problematic now since it was written in 1999, um, it was a depiction of a trans character and sort of a different way of um, being sort of, you know, and it, you know, having a a lot of problems and an interesting way to solve them. And they mentioned throwing notes off of the um, Space Needle and now I live in Seattle, so I love it even more.
0: That makes sense. Um, What is your least favorite book of all time? You know, I, I have this thing where I just am happy that people
1: create things. So I don't really dislike a lot of books. I'm just kind of like, you did a thing, yay. I mean, that doesn't mean I finish every single book I start but I don't know that I have like that book that fills that slot for me where I'm like,
0: uh yeah. So you were, you never, I know you talked about um, making school teachers, um, <laughs> very uh, upset, very upset about cat books. <laughs> were there any books you were? So interestingly enough, I don't think in a lot of school systems, um, People are required. I'm going to say people instead of children. People are not required to read certain books off a certain list. Like I know my kids were allowed to choose the fucking books they read.
1: Yeah.
0: My daughter read the twilight series. Not going to even go into that because that's the whole level right there. But, um, were there any books you were forced to read that you were like, this is garbage. Um, I, I, what is
1: that one called? Is it treasure Island?
2: Robert Louis Stevenson, where he's trapped on the, yeah.
1: Yes. So yeah, is it that he starts in a ship, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this probably has nothing to do with the quality of the work, but I remember in ninth grade, that was our assigned reading. And I was going through a lot of angst at the time. And we had to read a chapter and write our, you know, sort of like comprehension and review of the chapter and give a summary and stuff. I kind of had this battle going on with my English teacher mostly because I knew he was gay and he was like kind of a bitch about it. Like, it's a whole long story, but we had this like thing going on. We argued about Poe a lot, actually. He probably inspired me to to love Poe as much as I did because we used to argue about like the, the themes within the story anyway. Treasure Island, Treasure Planet. <laughs> it wasn't Treasure Planet. Treasure Island. I, um, I got to this point where I got disinterested in the material. And I don't know if it was just directed at this English teacher, but I started writing reviews in this sort of like comical way. Like I was trying to be humorous about it. So instead of actually writing what happened, I started writing my own story just to see if he would catch it. And I mean, I, like I said, it's probably not a reflection on the writer, but I, or the author, I just sort of like, was like, well, you know, what should have happened. And I rewrote the entire story. He did not like that. I will just tell you, his name was Mr. Payne too. Mr. Payne did not like that.
2: But at least he was reading all the work.
1: Yeah, he did prove to me he was reading the work and he was like, this is not a place for you to fictionalize, you know, <laughs> this work of, this is the masterpiece. And I was like, fair enough. But I think I just wasn't engaged in the source material I don't know, or with the
0: material. And, you know, it's interesting. I had this English teacher that had these little teeny eyebrows, like Vulcan eyebrows. He was, like, five feet tall, and he would stand on this podium. And I started in this high school, and, like, everybody else had been there their whole entire life. It was this little teeny town in Wisconsin. And he would look around the room and ask a question, and people would raise their hands, and then he'd go, Erica? (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) Why is it I me? To, yeah i had to read so much shit i didn't like but i did find one of my favorite books doing that okay it's so, weird how that happens you need an
1: english teacher that will challenge you I've, I, for writers i feel like okay. english teachers are either our favorite people in the world or our adversaries <laughs> like it's
2: just pointless. either way it pushes you it does
0: Jens and english teachers <laughs> you are somebody's worst enemy I know, I know. <laughs> it is many college students who don't actually want to do their work worst enemies.
2: Only so- if play dries. Oh. play I Then I get mad. Or if I read, I read a lot of essays about cats and dogs. And I'm like, really? All the things in the world you could write about and you pick cats and dogs? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> cats are great. I mean,
1: yeah, it's hard. I sympathize because I, I went through that phase of not reading anything that wasn't about cats. So, like, I would have loved their work.
2: Start. I was like, imagine you know, you're trying to impress someone at a party, and you walk across the room, and you're like, in your head, you're working up this big pickup line. What am I going to say? I'm going to be interesting. They're going to want to talk more. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna hit it off. And you're like, hey, do you know cats are different from dogs? Really? <laughs> That's it. You anything in the world you could write about? Because I have open essays, and I I get. Like get cake versus pie papers I'm like,
1: really? oh you I love Gen Z I do you're teaching Gen Z and they are amazing they are um strange and I, I have- love it I mean cake versus pie is such a thing like like
2: can you uh, but but have mercy on me like if I you wouldn't want to read it I don't want to read it either <laughs> <laughs> anyway. they're like not
1: taking it seriously enough I understand it- yeah, One day we will have entire books of personal essays about cake versus pie, cake cat pie. versus dog, and why TikTok is, you know, everything.
2: Well, the, Not the chicken gonna... sandwich debate, that was a big thing for a while. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm great. just going to throw this out here because Four um, Horsemen has a Teen Angst book that's coming out on March 1st where people can absolutely provide us um, with any teen because as teenagers and college students are just out of being their teenage years, the world is a very different place than it is when you're older and you're like, that is the dumbest thing you could possibly say. But (laughs) we have to remember as teenagers, what it was like to be teenagers and how, you know, that boy that you crushed on or that girl that you crushed on or that person who didn't identify as either that you crushed on. Um, you know was the be all end all of your existence because they were going to be the one to give you your happily ever after and you were 14 fucking years old of course they were
1: it was forever i mean when you're 13 everything feels like
0: forever Mm -hmm. oh my god i agree and then and then you get older and you're like that was five minutes like
2: i don't remember
0: your name so i'm not gonna (laughs) call you later I feel like it's when it's like when you're dreaming and your brain doesn't
1: know the difference between your, your dreams and like being awake, it experiences all the emotions the same way. Like I try to remember that being like a teenager was, it, it wasn't that it wasn't real. It was very real. Cause I f- experienced the emotions. I just wouldn't process those emotions the same way now. Like the guy I got hung up on then that I wrote a book of poetry, like terrible poetry about, and like you know drew drew all the names and the margins and the sad crying eyes and stuff like that now i wouldn't even talk to that person i would never if they hit me up on like grinder or something i'd be like next like we just you know but i had to go through that to know like oh no that kind of person is not worth your time but
0: no it's it's true and it's interesting to have evolutions i'm in you talk about I think it's true as, as writers too, we have evolutions about what is important to us as a writer at that point in time and what the messages we're trying to communicate. And then later we're like, that was dumb. <laughs> but, but you had you to know, do
2: it to figure it out.
1: Yes. And you know that somebody who is going through that, you know, they're younger than us, but they have to, like we, we, we spoke on earlier, you know, you have to make those mistakes and they are the people that need that writing. hmm No, it's true. Okay,
2: so Uh, what the fuck was that? I have a question. Then what? ask it. What it was that? I feel like you were gonna you were starting to say something. And I didn't I was actually gonna up.
0: ask another question, which you don't think I'm gonna do, but I was ready for <laughs> it. So I, it's fine. Ask your fucking question. I'm
2: I wanted ready. to ask about your writing process. Like walk us through it. How do you how do you begin? Do you write at night in the morning? Um, do you outline? Are you a pantser, plotter? Do you listen to music? So,
1: Okay. So I keep uh, a strange schedule that I call the second watch schedule. I don't get up until the afternoon and I don't sleep until the sun comes up. And I believe that some of us are programmed this way, that we are not early risers. We were meant to watch the village at night and I cannot get up early. I just, I'm useless. If I'm up in the morning, I'm just useless. So I write typically, um, you know, mostly in the, I guess it's the night, even though it's the wee hours of the morning and, uh, in this time, at least I used to write everything between work. Like I had three jobs and I would just jump in the the bathtub between jobs to clean up. And I'd be like writing everything on my phone or I'd write it at work or whatever. But now that I have a little bit more time working from home, um, I feel that I, I, I typically write um, either in the office um you know, cause everything's a little long form now for these novellas, so I can't write it on my phone in the bathtub, you know, I, I would love to be in there with some lavender Epsom salt and just like, but it doesn't work when I'm trying to get out 30,000 words. So I, I write in here with some, you know, sort of music on depending on the scene and I can zone out for like hours or I'm like sitting in the living room with my laptop and like a cat like perched on my shoulder. Like, (laughs) you know, there's no real in between. I'm like either in the bathtub or like cradling a cat and like, you know, so that's great. But I will say as far as plotting goes, I'm kind of in between. I plot out everything and I feel like the characters at some point go, yeah, I see what you want to do but we're not gonna do that. We're gonna go this way, and I'm like, no, you were supposed to be tied to a tree. And they're like, nah, mm-mm, don't wanna. And I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, you can't fuck that person. They don't, they don't know. And they're like, nah, nah, it's happening. So it's I can plot out as much as I want to, and I do need a guide. It helps me a lot to know where I'm going next. Like this is the next scene or whatever. I'll write out all the chapters and write what's supposed to happen in the chapter, and then just like delete half of it as I write. <laughs>
0: And I think, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show, and I think this is the first time I've ever said this, that I logistically remember, so, um, is that, you know, when we talk about plotters, there are people, um, Jeff Strand does what we call um, technical plotting, I forget the word we use, that's not it, but he follows an exact pattern for his books, and he writes that way, which is brilliant, he's fucking a brilliant writer. But And I am squarely a pantser because I don't even do what you just said. Like, if I write a list of guys that I'm writing for my erotic novel, I've won that. But otherwise, it doesn't happen. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about plotting out something, I think it helps to give you a direction. And if you get stuck, you can reference back to it to go, where was I going with this regardless Mm -hmm. of where the characters went? Like, where do I need this to continue to go? And I think it's important because even if, if you spend, but if you spend for me too much time in the outline and the plotting of the book and not actually writing the fucking book. Yeah. That's a problem. And, but I think every person needs their different guardrails for how they approach writing. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's,
1: it's also sort of a matter of knowing how long you want your, your chapters to be because there's people that don't really have a, a bounding box on I want my chapter to not go past 1500 words or whatever the thing is. And so it's, I, I think that panting sort of method is like, I'm just gonna keep telling the story and we'll figure out the, where the chapter breaks are as we, we go. But if I know that I need to get from point A to point B within this many chapters and this many words, I know there's only a certain amount of things that can happen within each scene. That all said, I mean, things are going to change based on, you know, whatever happens. You can only, you can follow a formula that you know is it will help you, you know, successfully get to the end up until a character tells you, no thanks.
0: And I think that's important that every writer finds what their methodology is. Yeah. What works for them, what works for them to progress a story forward. Because, you know, on this show, I've gotten the very unique opportunity to talk to So many different writers and so many um, new writers and so many prolific writers. And I don't mean that they're not great. It's just, you know, somebody who has been publishing since 1980. You know what I mean? That's a different story than somebody who's published in the last even 10 years. And talking to them and going, how do you do it? I think when people listen to the show, I really hope they go, I'm going to try something until I find what works for me. So let's talk about sex scenes. Um, you know, I like sex scenes. Let's talk about sex scenes.
1: They're good ones. Let's talk
0: about sex. Um, <laughs> so when you first started writing sex scenes in your previous um, uh shorter stories that you wrote and things like that, is this the first sex oh sex <laughs> you've written? Hello, Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> is this the pure first sex you've written, or was this previously a thing that you were comfortable with? I
1: wrote about sex, but I wrote it in the context of more like, I don't want to say the bad, bad sex, but it was like, um, it was humor. It was, it was talking about sex, but not making it sexy. It was the opposite of making it sexy. It was like, yeah, this thing happened and this is how it affected me it was you know not it was how do i make somebody laugh talking about this and not in the oh this you know this mishap of you know um can't think of a a terrible sexual thing that would happen but those things that make you laugh during sex it wasn't that it was let me tell you the story of something that happens and that is why i am the way i am now and so those characters would have gone through these things in the past and i would describe that sexual experience to explain it but it was not intended to be like titillating. So I think this is this was my first experience trying to be like, all right, let's talk about sex in a way that's like gonna get someone off. And so that was a new approach for me, but I definitely, um, at least in, in trying to publish it, I had written Erotica before in the sexy way, but none that I intended to publish with an actual storyline. So this was uh, a little different in that way, but I definitely enjoyed it. And getting to describe the little nuances and the emotions and the, the different feelings, and, and maybe weaving in a few humorous responses as a callback to my sort of writing before, like uh, I know in the first book, there's a line where it's a very tense sexual moment and somebody says, what the fuck is a credenza? And I just find that very funny of like the things that even though you're having a sexual experience and it is very, we- very real to you at the time, your mind can still go places like, oh, did I leave the stove on? You know, that sort of a thing.
0: Well, and I think that's real because, you know, we all have moments and we love them to be perfect, sexy moments. And when we describe them to perfect, sexy, perfect, sexy moments, but there are times you're trying to subtly take your clothes off and you trip on your dreams because you haven't gotten them off your fucking ankles yet. Yes. And it, it makes it real. And I think that's important. Did you feel like, um, some people write sex scenes don't feel like they completely capture the sex scenes well how did you go about capturing the scene
1: i think it's as much detail as you can put in that's not just about the sex because sex is about all of our senses all at once so i don't think skimping on what the room feels like, what the temperature is, what the flooring is like, because that all makes a difference. Having sex on a cement floor versus a rug in a hot room versus a cold room. Um, what you know, the smells, the the just everything is so important in writing in general, but in sex, in real life, if you are having sex in a cold cement room surrounded by, you know, dungeon toys, that's a way different experience than getting rug burned by a fire that's burning. Even if the sex is completely the same, you know, in its sort of movement and like, Oh, we did this position. And then we did that position that could all be the same, but the feeling is not going to be the same in a way that environment, that atmosphere changes the sex. So I think knowing, you know, Oh, I pulled down his pants. But this is what it felt like when the fabric moved, this is, you know, how my knees hit the pavement, you know, that's going to make a huge difference in um, how you perceive that experience.
2: It's funny you say that because I teach a book, and one of the chapters in it it's, it's about literature. And the author says, when it comes to sex in novels, he's like, "There's only so many positions. Like you, you know, there's eventually you're gonna you're gonna have written every position. And what makes everything different is exactly what you just said that the atmosphere, yeah. you know, the experience itself is gonna be rather than the actions.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you touched earlier on talking about what the people are thinking because. I think that's huge just the act of you know the pizza boy delivering a pizza and somehow you're fucking him on a floor like whatever but at the same time I think being able to be in a character's head about how they're experiencing that experience hopefully that makes sense yes yes
1: again we Um, English it's English's fault not ours
0: Yes. Well, you know, Jen's a PhD. I do. I just have to drink and know things. Um, <laughs> I think that's important. Like when I'm writing my erotica, like a lot of it, you know, it's interesting is I used to say chicklet erotica. I was like, it's chick erotica. It's not. It's humorous erotica because there are some very great intense emotional sex scenes. And then there are some very like, what the fuck just happened? And we all have those like,
1: yeah we're sitting there
0: like what what did i just experience (laughs) and there's only so many times you can say the word cock or the say the word dick or say the word you know like you have to be very comprehensive in your description of other things to not have you repeating the same action yeah
1: you you may be you know, on the floor sucking a cock the same way you have several times this character has in, in in different chapters. But what's different? Is he looking past the guy's hips and he sees there's a picture of Donald Duck on the wall? That's a different story. That's a way different story. Now I'm not, ha- I don't know if I'm having a good time anymore.
0: That's <laughs>
2: weird.
1: <laughs> exactly. do stop,
0: stop kink shaming
1: it
2: was the donald duck
1: some some people might be like donald duck he knows me well yes i am here for this <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that well,
0: do you think that um do you think that when you're do you ever have a scene where like research wise so let's talk about this because you know when we're writing sex scenes to to um jen's point there's there's only so many ways that parts can enter other parts or parts can interact with other parts you can pull out the Kama Sutra and be really creative and then there's logistics right where you're even trying to describe what's happening and there's no way to fucking describe it because you have to fucking draw a picture the arm is here the leg is there and then this yeah yeah (laughs) do you how do you feel when you're going into that have you ever had to stop like I've talked to a lot of erotic writers and stuff where they go watch Pornhub or they go do something to get like, okay, let me look at this again to how yes. this fucking work. Yeah. I think
1: that you, you know, porn is great inspiration, you know, especially since the, the, this, erotica writing is a little fantastical and porn's a little fantastical. So you can take those sort of situations that may not always happen in real life and kind of go, Oh yeah, I'm going to put this certain toy or this certain apparatus that, you know, isn't always like present in everyday sort of sexual adventures and, uh, and put that in there. But yeah, I mean, you have to draw from actual experience as well as, you know, whatever you can kind of, you know, get out there in the, um, more, you know, adventurous, I guess, so to speak, sort of people that are putting that content out there.
0: So you're in a relationship. I am. How does, I'm, I'm talking very generally. Yes. <laughs> all the people on this call are in varying degrees of relationships. How do you, um, how does your partner feel about the writing and stuff like that?
1: Oh, he enjoys it. He's my first beta reader. You know, there's always sort of a test, right? If, if he were to read it and go, this didn't really like do it for me. I'd be like, all right, it's not sexy. I got to like write the sexy in. Uh, and I think that that's really important. Like it, it, that's, that's the test for me. Like if he, uh, if he comes back and goes, yes, then I'm like, all right, I've done it. I have I've done, you know, the, the sexy justice.
0: No, and I think that's important. And I think the support is important because when you are writing that, you're in a little bit of, no matter how much writing, whether you write in front of people, and no matter what you write about, you're in a little kind of private dome when you're writing. Yes. And you have to give it to somebody, regardless of the topic, to go, does this communicate what I'm trying to communicate Whether it's sex, an action scene, I've seen people, like, we had a writer who was talking about the fact that he puts a gun in every room in his stories, so that regardless of what fucking happens, if he needs to pull out the gun, the gun is in the room of every story.
2: That was Neil Neil Gaiman talking about writing comic books. He says he puts guns in drawers for the future in case he ever needs them later on to pull out the story. So he's (laughs) like... Because of the way, because he's writing serial, so it's published. He's like, I can't go back at the end of my my 75 comic run series and be like, by the way, in episode 13, or, you know, issue 13, uh, there was uh, there was a gun in this drawer. So he said he just had to seed all of those. But I always think that's great, that idea that you're, like, seeding all these different possibilities, and then later on you can revisit. That's great.
0: And you may never need that fucking gun in the drawer, but at some point you might be like, I need a fucking gun in the drawer, and the gun is in the drawer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
1: know. <laughs> That's can, setting yourself up for success.
0: That's good. I, what do you think you're not good at as a writer? And then Jen, you can ask your question. What do you think you're not good at? Um, I would have
1: said you know writing long form, but I, I also think I, I have this tendency that I want everything to be interesting. So if um, if the wording of something makes more sense a certain way, I will int- intentionally not make it confusing, but say it in a way that is odd. And I'm doing it on purpose because a lot of the characters that I, I write and Alexander's one of them, they have this sort of like, not unintelligent, they're aware of the rules, but they, they speak in this sort of like familiar way or this like odd, um, I mean, you've read the books, Jen. So <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. They, they, uh, they just, they say something that, oh, this is a good example. So Palahniuk talks about how a character will be speaking and they'll say something like, I did this terrible thing and this is how I did this terrible thing. And the other character is listening to them. And when it's that character's turn to speak, instead of them saying, wow, you did this terrible thing, they go, cool. And because it's unexpected, it kind of you know, moves you through the story. But I worry sometimes that these choices that I make that are unexpected, throw the reader off. And so I think I'm, I, if I have a weakness, it's that I don't make things accessible enough to every kind of reader. I want, it's not that it takes work, but it's going to be a little, um, the lines maybe are going to be a little wordy and I have been described as wordy before. And, uh, but that's because I'm p- packing it in there. I'm packing it in there intentionally through this character who even if they seem a little dumb, they're trying to show you that, no, I know the rules. I'm just not doing them.
2: Okay, Jen, what is your question? That kind of leads into it. I was gonna ask, like, as a writer, we all have our weird quirks, like all my characters nod and shrug constantly. Oh. Erica's are always realizing things. Like, what are your- I don't your realize quirks? things,
0: I forget names now. That's my that new true. thing.
2: <laughs> so what would you say your, your like quirky uh, issues are?
1: I think letting characters be in their head for a very long time, I will go chapters with like nothing happening. Like it's something's happening as far as these big realizations of characters are happening, but they may be just laying on a bed naked and looking at the ceiling and going, oh, wow, you know, like I didn't realize this thing was happening. And now that I have some time to process it, all of this mystery is now like being solved, but it's all just through their thought process. Uh, so, not so much that it's telling instead of showing. I'm, I'm showing this process of them realizing it, um, but I do keep it all sort of internal. And I, I think that's important because I think that's how we do realize things. But I know readers would prefer that there was like some immense, like, aha moment where something moves or whatever. And then you go, ah, there's the thing instead of just like, now I'm sitting here and I'm naked. And oh, oh, that's what's going on. But it's because they finally have a breather. And, you know, I just feel like that's kind of more true to, to real life. But yeah, I, I think that maybe not making things um, typical. I think I try to make things very unique as much as possible. And that can be a problem because that's not a reader expectation. They don't always want it to be different. They want a version of something that they, they already know.
0: I like that you're breaking boundaries, so I think that's important. yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I want to break boundaries, but not at the expense of of um, feeling readers feeling abandoned that I'm not like keeping to their exact expectations.
0: I think your editor would would disagree and say that you are I think keeping things to readers' expectations. Okay, so, oh, good. Good. okay, we have to wrap up literary briefs. Jen, do you have a final question? Um... Mm. I like no, putting pressure yeah. on her because she yeah. just fucking broke,
2: so that was no, I, did, I just totally, I had one and it's totally gone.
0: It's that bubbly. You're super pretty today mm. with your bubbly fucking water. I just drank an entire <laughs> bottle of wine. What is wrong with you? We were talking about short-term memory before.
1: It's, it's quarantine brain. That's what it is. We all have these ideas lodged I'm
2: in here. I'm going to let it go. And instead, <laughs> okay, did you just think of it? No, but I was going to say, you called it the pandemic more. And I think that's really funny. <laughs>
1: I wrote that into an essay recently that I may publish. The pandemic, more I did not an original. That's from TikTok.
0: I do find that. Let's talk about. Okay, we can talk about this for one minute and then we'll wrap up. Social media. Yes. You're kind of a social media guru. I try. I try. How does you think that's helped you as an
1: author? I think it's great because you can communicate very directly with people as soon as they read the book, they can come straight to my Instagram or email me or whatever and and tell me what they thought or what they liked, what they, you know, have questions about. And then I can be like, oh, don't worry, it's coming. You know, there's a third book and it will answer all those questions. And I think it is great to interact with those fans and to continuously like be putting out things um, related to your book or just related to things that you like. So they get an idea of who you are and what they can expect from you um, going forward. You know, you don't want your readers to feel kind of abandoned i want a certain amount of mystery right around like me as a writer but for the most part i'd rather just you know talk to people and share my sexy pictures not of me of other men but <laughs> but still it
0: should, i'm not going to mention the sexy pictures of you They should, <laughs> but whatever we'll eventually <laughs> get to that and hey if you're of- not naked on the internet somewhere have you even lived No, I don't think you have. (laughs) Good luck with everybody trying to find it. It exists out there. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Okay. (laughs) This has been amazing. Tell people where to find you.
1: You can find me at leosparks.com, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at author Leo Sparks. I'm sure there are other places. Oh, I, I did join TikTok. I got to. Um, I'm, I love observing, but I, I got to get better at making videos on there. But you can also find me at Author Leo Sparks on TikTok. I believe that is it. I'm. I'm sure there's other places. I'm sure I'm on Pornhub. Who
0: knows? You know, look around. Yeah, you'll find I'm me. just saying, investigate <laughs> the interwebs for it.
1: And I, <laughs> Only fans.
0: <laughs> absolutely, sign up for his newsletter. You get a free um, becoming Alexander. So you get the free titillating start to the series Before. and very shortly we will have murder at the dude mark the next yes. series and the amazing leo sparks so we're super excited about that thank you for coming on the show you've been thoroughly amazing oh thank
1: you thank you for and having titillating.
0: me on I'm gonna say titillating I don't get to say that if I guess often but titillating
2: <laughs> yay
0: okay Short. I've been Erica Lance J.M. Paquette And we will fucking see you next time.